In the entertainment world, especially in television, during my lifetime, there has been a marked rise in the use of the anti-hero, where the main character of a particular show is a terrible person. And yet we find ourselves rooting for this person, even in the midst of their depravity and terrible decision-making. You watch The Sopranos and you root for Tony Soprano, although he's doing terrible and horrible things. You watch Breaking Bad and you root for Walter White, again, although he is doing terrible and bad things. Even you find yourself at times rooting against the clearly good guys and gals in the shows because there's something intriguing about this person who does all of these terrible things and yet there's this sliver, this little bit, this glimpse of good that comes out of the person. And in many ways, I feel like it's a projection of ourself and our own experience. We recognize in our own lives that yes, there are good things, but there are also not so good things. And we root in a sense for the underdog. We root for that conversion, that change, just as we do in our own lives. Because we don't have to look very far to see how to use the image of the gospel today in our own very lives and heart, there are weeds and wheat growing together. We can also see it in friends and family members and those who have inspired us. One of the greatest paradoxes of all of this in my entire life is that the priest who was most influential in me becoming a priest and making the decision to give my life to Christ and to the church and to follow after Jesus as a religious and a priest, in the midst of that, which was, I hope and pray is good for you, <laughs> as it has been for me, I love it, but was also leading and re resurrecting a parish in the Archdiocese of St. Louis that was about to close, that became the hub for Spanish-speaking ministry in the Archdiocese. He resurrected the school in the midst of all of that. And while all of this seemingly good stuff was going on, he was engaged in heinous and despicable behavior that led to him going to prison and being defrocked as a priest. How is that possible? How is it possible for us to do and to be both good and evil at the same time, seemingly? St. Paul talks about this elsewhere in his letters when he writes about how he says, I do the evil, the wickedness I don't want to do. There is a constant rebellion, a war going on between the natural and the supernatural. We are made for another life and for another world, and this world in many ways is challenging us and holding us down and doing the same to other people. But we rejoice today in the fact that God has chosen us, that God desires to save us, and has given us everything we need to be saved. In the Gospel, we have this very interesting kind of sandwich. At the front and at the back, we get the story of the weeds and the wheat. And it's a very difficult message for us, right? The reality is this. Remember, at every moment of your life, it is possible for you to go to hell. It's also possible for you in every moment of your life to be saved. That's the good news, right? And that's what is sandwiched in between. There are real repercussions for our deliberate choices that reject God and choose something other than Him as our God. But in the middle here, we hear the kingdom of God, the littlest bit of grace and life of Jesus within your heart and my heart produces abundantly, overcomes even our greatest weaknesses and shortcomings. 
This is the good news. That no matter where you've been, no matter what you've done, if the kingdom of God in its smallest portion comes into your life, you will be saved. And not only that, but you will have an abundantly good impact on the world. The mustard seed is the tiniest of seeds that grows into the largest of bushes. The leaven is, or the, the yeast is but the smallest thing that magnifies the dough into which it is mixed. So too is God's grace and life within you. But if we look back, remember last week we heard about the soil, right? That we have to have soil receptive to God's word. This week we look at the growth. We need to look in our life and see where is my life fruitful, but also where is my life bearing weeds and not good fruit. We need to invite the Lord into that. As St. Paul said in the second reading, the Spirit comes to the aid of our weakness. We are given the Holy Spirit in baptism and confirmation, not because we deserve it or earn it, but because God desires to lift us up in our weakness, to come to the worst parts of our life, the place where it is weediest and grossest, and to clean it up and to make it beautiful. So that even if we fall into a lifetime of sin and depravity, inviting but a moment of God's grace into our life, having the Spirit come to us, we can be healed, we can be saved. Even that can give glory to God. As we heard in the Book of Wisdom, we have good ground for hope that God would permit us repentance for our sins. What a blessing that is, that as repeatedly as we choose not God as something other than God, making gods of the little things great and small in our lives, God offers us the opportunity to be healed, to be changed to make our life new in him, to be made new. Every time we come to the Eucharist in a state of grace, we receive not a mustard seed, but the fullness of God's grandeur and love for us. Every time we go to confession with contrition on our heart for all of our sins, we receive not a little mercy, but all of it. God holds nothing back from us. He says that little bit will change everything, but he never gives us just a little. He gives us everything. If you have any doubts or questions about that, turn to the cross. That is the measure of God's love for you and for me. In other words, there is no measure. There is no bound. He will do anything and go anywhere, obviously within moral limits, to love you, to save you, and to lift you up. Now, this week, as I was kind of thinking about and preparing my homily, I didn't exactly know where I wanted to end. And so if this, doesn't, if this falls flat, I apologize. But here's the beauty of it all, right? We recognize God's grace, but we also recognize that no matter where we go, we're always going to be struggling with vice and with virtue, with the good and the bad that we do. The end of the day, just give it all to Jesus. The good, the bad, and everything in between. He has promised you, he has made covenant with you through his blood that he will give you more than you could possibly ever imagine. But you must give it to Jesus. The repercussions of not giving even our worst parts to Jesus are severe. But the glory is exponentially better. Give your heart. Give the Lord the wheat in your life and the bountiful harvest. Praise be to God for that. But give him the areas where you're broken, where you're struggling,
where you're suffering. Perhaps I might make a suggestion, is make a commitment for the next year to go to confession once a month. You will be struggling, trust me, with the same sins over and over again, but you will recognize and see the boundless and beautiful ways in which God is changing your life and changing your heart. Because when he gives, he gives fully, totally, infinitely. The Lord loves you. The Lord offers you everything right here and right now. Together, as a church, together here, those gathered with us at home, let us all give our life fully and totally to Jesus Christ so that our life might become like his, the wheat and the bread for the life of the world.